and what a great um, message that Pastor Frank preached uh, last week, complete with memorable illustrations, right? Dressed up in his prison suit. We had a hard, had a hard time breaking him out um, of prison last week, but it's a great reminder that we've been, we've been set free from the law of sin. We've been set free from the past, and we've been made new in Christ. That the debt is, has been paid for us, right? Our freedom has been purchased and is secure. The cell door is open. Just need to walk out. And that's a great, great message. We, we walk out of the prison of sin. We walk out of the, the shame and the guilt that comes from our bondage to sin. It comes from our selfishness. We walk out. Those were things that were consistent with our, with our old nature, sin and shame and selfishness, the works of the flesh. We ought to put on the, the new garments of the new man, of the new self, casting off that which was old. Ephesians chapter four and verse 22 says this, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt, Interesting, right? The ways of your former manner of life are corrupt through deceitful desires. Put those off and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And we ought to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and and holiness. We've been talking about this letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus for a number of months now, the first portion highlighting the significance of our position in Christ, who we are in Christ, and then chapters four, five, and six start to lay out for us how our position informs the practical outworking of our faith. And he says here, we are to put off our old self. We're to put it off because it no longer belongs to us. It's not who we are anymore. We've been, we've been made alive in Christ. We're no longer dead in our trespasses and our sins. We spent a lot of time in these first three chapters looking at our position in Christ. We saw how our identity in Christ is to inform our practices in Christ. We saw how now our lives ought to be lived now that we recognize who we are in Christ. And, and I think it's one of, those, one of those truths that we just need to really hammer time and time again because sometimes we forget who we are. It's so easy for us to kind of go back to our own way of thinking, go back to our own ways, to back to the, the bondage, go back into the prison of the past because that was what we were most familiar with. And Paul says we are to put off the old self and we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. In other words, allow what God says about you to change the way you think, to change the way you act, and to change the way you feel, right? Right? How many know it's a lot easier said than done? 
We must understand who we are in Christ. We must must apply the truth of God's word, have our minds renewed, renewed with the awareness of what God says about us so that it changes the way we act, think, and feel. It's a mindset that is informed by facts. The renewing of our minds is a mindset that is informed by facts. Notice, we are to put off the old self. We are to do it. That is upon us. That is where we are to put in motion these truths. We are to put over ourselves. Christ has already changed our position. This isn't about us changing our position. Christ has already done that. He's already changed our identity. We are already in Christ. Our position is already made new. He's already made it possible for change to take place in our behavior because he's already secured the change in our nature, in our position. And as we submit to the Holy Spirit, we actively, decisively, and intentionally put off the old self. In other words, it doesn't just happen by going to church. It doesn't just happen by believing the right stuff. It's about taking that which we believe and applying it to our life in such a way that it produces actions. It produces lifestyle change. It changes the way we see ourselves. It changes the way we see others. And it changes the way we see God. It's a mindset that is informed by facts. The old self and the new self that Paul is referring to, what is he, he's referring, is he not referring to our nature here? Christ has already taken care of our nature. The old self and the new self that Paul is referring to has to do with our lifestyles. It has to do with our behaviors, not our position. Because as I said, Christ already took care of that. You can't do anything to change your position in Christ. That was done by Christ on the cross. This putting off the old self has to do with putting off our old ways, our old behaviors, our old actions. And the renewed mind is an informed mind that instructs me on how to live the life of Christ in the world around me. Now we can end it right there because that is the most significant truth that God's people must get a hold of today. A renewed mind is an informed mind that instructs me on how to live like Christ. The renewing of your mind is changing the way you see yourself so that it aligns with the way that God sees you. It's about knowing who you are in Christ. It's about recognizing that you didn't just embrace some religion. It changes the way you live. It's seeing ourselves the way God sees us. That's what it means to renew our minds. And so how how do we do that? How How do we renew our minds? How do we see ourselves the way God sees us? It's not rocket science. We 
we need to see what God says about us. That's why there, there was so much in the opening of this letter to the church at Ephesus about who we are in Christ, about the fact that he has called us, he's predestined us, he has elected us, that we are his, his people, right? We are his workmanship, recognizing. So we need to understand what God says to us, right? And as we, we saw in chapters one through three, God lays out, here's what I say about you. Here's who you are. And we see all throughout the New Testament, especially our identity of who we are in Christ. So how do we renew our mind? How do we change the way we think so that our way of thinking about ourselves aligns with the way God thinks about us. You must be in the word. You must be in the word. It's the word of God. That as you allow the word of God to inform you, the Holy Spirit will take those truths and plant them deep in your heart and it'll bring forth fruit. You won't get that out of a sermon. You won't get that out of a prayer meeting. You won't get that out of a conversation. It's the working of the spirit of God in our lives. It's the word. We must be in the word of God. And as you embrace your identity, you put on or, or you put in motion the new self. You start seeing yourself as a child of the king, created, as he said, after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You start living like Jesus lived. You start allowing what we know about Christ to influence the way we prioritize our lives. We remind ourselves, I'm not who I was. You don't let yourself off the hook by saying, well, this is just who I am. No, 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 that's what you were. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. You gotta walk out of the prison cell. You gotta take off the, the convict clothes, right? You need to walk in the newness of Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. I'm God's child. Because I'm God's child, those garments, those, those actions, those behaviors, those, those attitudes that don't look like Jesus are no longer going to be a part of my lifestyle. I'm going to, turn, I'm going to take them off like an old dirty suit and walk in the newness of Christ that he has secured for me. It is so important, church, that you get this. It's so important that you, that you understand, because if you don't make the connection that our call to, to live a certain way, to respond a certain way, is because of who we are in Christ, if we don't make the connection that that's why we carry out the call and the mandate of Christianity, if we don't understand that connection, then we will just be doing it out of religious obligation. It's not just behavior modification. Those scriptural admonitions to live holy lives 
to allow the life of Christ to be lived out in you, to prioritize your life, to to consider your ways, to consider your thoughts. If you don't do that out of response to who you are in Christ, it'll just be behavioral modification, which is nothing more than religious actions, which never satisfy. It's not about behavioral modification. It's about transformation. It's about transformation. If you try to live the Christian life, and you know what I mean by that, right? If you try to live the Christian life apart from recognizing who you are in Christ, you're going to hit a wall every single time and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to get discouraged and eventually you're going to just want to throw in the towel. We do because of who we are. Not just because of what we think we believe or who we hang out with. It's critically important. This, this is the deep stuff of the, of the faith. This is the meat and potatoes. It's living, the, it's living the crucified life in such a way that others see Jesus in you. I'm tired of hearing about what everybody defines as the deep things of God. Let me tell you about the deep things of God. The deep things of God is when people rub up against you and all they recognize is Jesus. It's the crucified life. It's living out the new self. The power of God lived out in you and through you. Critically important for us to, I was gonna gonna end it right there but, but, but Paul, he now begins, when he, when he, when he creates this, this idea of, of what it means to have our minds renewed, he, he, he presents, he's about to present to us a, a therefore, as we continue our text, right? A therefore. You see, following this, this important truth of, of renewing our minds, seeing ourselves as God sees us, Paul instructs us now on how we are to behave. Not just like good little boys and girls. No, no. As new creations in Christ. This is, this is what we do because this is who we are. This isn't behavior modification. This is transformation. This is allowing our identity, or allowing that which we know about who we are in Christ to affect the way in which we live our lives. And Paul will lay out in this next, therefore, therefore, having said that, let me tell you what the new man looks like. How does the new man manifest itself in our behavior? Paul will present seven areas in our text this morning as we, as we close out this chapter four and we'll see just what does this new man look like? How do my ways be influenced by my identity? This is to be understood in the context of all that the previous chapters tell us about our position in Christ. Thinking back down memory lane in the last couple months as we've talked so much about who we are in Christ. In the backdrop of that, in the context of all of that, Paul says this in verse 25, therefore, because of that, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. 
The first way, first place that we see the, the new man manifesting itself in our behavior is we are people who speak the truth. We don't lie. It's the ninth commandment. Don't bear false witness, right? We are people who speak the truth. Not just, not just because we're afraid to get caught, but because it's our nature to speak truth. That's who we are in Christ. People of truth. What did Jesus say about Satan? Jesus said about Satan that he is a liar from the beginning and he is what? The father of lies. Like every time his mouth is moving, there's lies coming out, right? That is consistent. In the same way that God is love, he's the, he's the very nature, the very essence of who God is. Well, Satan is a liar. It's the very nature and essence of who he is. He is the father of all lies. Jesus said, what about himself? I am what? I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. We've got Satan, who is the father of lies, and we've got Jesus, who is the truth. My question is, who do you think we better reflect? You see, every time we, we, we engage in lying, white lying, covering up, you know what I'm talking about. We need to recognize that we are operating over under an old way of thinking, under an old man who is governed and controlled by the father of lies, but as new creations in Christ, as people of the truth, we don't operate under the old man. We operate under the new man, which is consistent with Christ. And Christ, who is the truth, has to have, ensures and calls us to have the truth to be lived out in our lives. Speak the truth. Secondly, he says this in verse 26. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. The new life we saw is, is, is seen in, in people being people who speak the truth. Secondly, the new life is seen in controlling your emotions. Controlling your emotions. One of the fruit of the spirit is, is self-control. Controlling your emotions. Can I just tell you this? Anger is okay. Anger is good, in fact. But it must be controlled. It must be stewarded correctly. We, don't be, we need to remember, God, as we read through the scriptures, we see God gets angry. We saw Jesus got angry as he flipped the tables when there was such hypocrisy going on amongst the people. Anger in and of itself is not bad. Anger becomes bad when we allow it to evolve into a desire for vengeance. Where we seek retribution. Our scripture reading this morning from Psalm chapter 4, this is where, this is actually a quote from Psalm 4 where the psalmist says, be angry and do not sin. He says this, look, ponder in your own hearts, on your own beds, and be silent and then he says, Selah. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder on your heart, in, in your own hearts and on your beds. Be silent. In other words, don't take it out in public, the thing that ticked you off. Don't be 
heralding it out for everybody. Go to the quiet place. Go to the secret place and begin to process that which you're feeling and begin to think it through. That's the, the selah part. Be silent about what you're doing. And then he says this in verse five, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. I love that. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent and offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. That, have you discovered that people will do hurtful things to you? Sometimes unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. What do you do with that? We know what we want to do with that. We want to hurt back. We want to reciprocate, right? But that's, that's geez, the, the, the new nature, the, the, the new man doesn't respond like the old man does. The new man gets alone and begins to process what's going on in the inside. And God call, and calls God, that, and, and, then, and then what? And responds with, and offers up right sacrifices. And then he says, and puts trust in the Lord. Jesus said, the, 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 the psalm says, God said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I, I will repay. God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need my help to enact vengeance against people who hurt me. Be angry. Hey, there's, there's things I see in this world, and I know there's things you see in this world. It makes me angry. But we need to be careful to not allow that anger to, it needs to be a holy, a righteous anger that's passionate for truth and holiness and righteousness and be careful to guard our hearts so that it doesn't evolve into vengeance and bitterness because that's exactly what will happen. If you don't deal with anger properly, it'll evolve into vengeance and bitterness which is foreign to the new man and consistent with the old man. Hey, folks, this stuff gets tough. That's why we need to remember our position. We need to remember this is what God's people do. This is how we live. Yeah, but that's not fair. Doesn't matter if it's fair. This is the call of the redeemed to allow the life of Christ to be lived out in us. The new man is lived out by people who speak the truth. The new man is lived out by people who control your emotions. Thirdly, we see this in verse 28. Paul says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The third way that, that the, the new life is lived out and seen in our life is we are to be generous. Be generous. 
He says, hey, don't steal. I mean, that's the eighth commandment, right? We aren't, we're not to be stealing. Don't take that which doesn't belong to you, right? We all kind of know that that's what God calls us to and how God calls us to live, right? Do not steal. But he says, instead, work hard. Work honestly. He'll say later on, work as if, as if you're working unto the Lord, right? We'll cover that in a couple of weeks. But work hard. Work honestly. So that. So that. So that you may be an extension of God's generosity to others. That's what the new man does. The old man works hard just to acquire more and more and more and more stuff. Hey, it's not wrong to have stuff. I, I, you know, it's okay to have some stuff. We just gotta make sure the stuff doesn't have us. Right? Work hard, be honest, be diligent, so that we could be an extension and a reflection of God's generosity to those in need. Hey, listen, I mean, does everybody agree that God meets needs? Right? I'm not aware of any time recent where a need was met directly out of heaven. In other words, there was not a financial, money didn't fall out of the sky, right? Houses weren't repaired. Like, think, think, like, think, like needs weren't met just mystically out of nowhere. God uses people to do that. And you see the way in which God manifests and extends his generosity to those in need is through the new self who works diligently and honestly and is willing to be an extension of God's generosity. The new self is seen in being generous. Number four, we see verse 29 says this, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for a building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. As God's people, as new creations, we have the beautiful opportunity to speak life into people, to speak hope into people, to speak encouragement into people. He says, hey, don't let any corrupt talk. Watch your mouth. Make sure that your new man isn't being corrupted by your old man. Watch your mouth. Don't allow corrupt talk to be seen or heard out of your mouth. Why? It's inconsistent with who you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. But that which ought to come out that which ought to flow from the lips of the new creation is only such as is for building up the body of Christ. That's what we ought to be doing. It doesn't take a, listen man, it doesn't take any rocket scientist to, or spiritually discerning people to point out what's broken, what's hurting, what's this or that. Or, that's, there's no effort at all to be someone who brings people down. Anybody can do that. We're called to build people up, to speak, to speak life into people. And he says, look, he says, and do it as fits 
the occasion. I love that. That timely way of building one another up. Speaking a word in season in the lives of one another, allowing the Holy Spirit to put upon our hearts that encouragement, that blessing, that affirmation that your brother, that your sister may need to hear. And when that good word intersects with the good time, it brings brings forth good fruit, edification, the building up of one another in love. Why? So that it may give grace. What is grace? Remember, grace is God's God's unearned favor. In other words, so that it may give grace, so that it might give people something that they don't even deserve. You know, the best time to encourage somebody is when they don't feel like they deserve it. Usually, people need encouragement the most when they don't feel like they deserve it, right? Oh, to be that kind of a person who can speak life and encouragement to build one another up in love. Speak life. Number five, this new life is seen in verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The fifth way in which the new life is seen and lived out in the life of the believer. It's by listening to the Holy Spirit. By listening to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Ephesians, Paul mentioned earlier on in chapter two, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means that he is at work in our lives, right? And oftentimes we need to remember that while we are working out our own salvation, we also recognize that God is at work in us, right? And so it's really important that as new, belie- as new creations in Christ, right, that, that the new life is attentive to and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't grieve, don't quench, don't ignore. The new self is in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. They have a sense. Able to tune out the loudest voices in their lives. Tune out the distractions. Tune out everybody else's plan for your life. And to listen what the Spirit of God is saying to you. The new self is in tune with what the Holy Spirit is saying. And not only does the new life listen, but the new life obeys. Because if you don't obey, eventually you won't hear. Right? This is the new life that we have in Christ. This is, this is the new covenant that Christ ushered in by his blood. No longer will you need a man to tell you, right? Jeremiah talks about that in the old covenant. But under the new covenant, the Holy Spirit of God will be in us. And he will lead us into all truth, Jesus said. So we must be listening for his voice and not gathering the opinions of everybody around us and on social media and in the public and everywhere. Listen to his voice. The new life is more influenced by the leading of the Holy Spirit than by the popular chatter of the day. And then number six, Paul says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you 
along with all malice. In the immortal words of Frozen, let it go. Let it go. I won't go there. Let it go. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, let it be put away. Yeah, but you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. Let it go. Release it. It's really easy to stew in the accusations of other people. And here's the thing. It'll distract you from what the Spirit of God is saying to you right now. Let it go. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, let it be far put away from you. Why? Because it's not consistent with your new self. Bitterness, it only hurts you. It's like drinking poison and thinking it's going to hurt the other person. Let it go. It also robs you of the peace of God in your life. Right? I mean, we've all known that moment where we start stewing and, and, and remembering and wanting to enact all kinds of blessing with a brick towards those people, right? Let it go. Because it only hurts you. It only hurts you. Then he says this, look, he says, instead, he says in verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The last thing he says, this new life is seen in the way we speak truth, the way in which we control our emotions, the way we are generous, the way we speak life, the way we listen to the Holy Spirit, the way we let it go. And then number seven, we see the way in which we treat others like Christ treated us. Be kind to one another. That's what the new life does. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ forgave you. Treat others like Christ treated you. This is in direct contrast to the previous verse about not enacting, um, letting all bitterness and wrath and anger go, right? This is the, the contrast. This is what we used to do, right? And some of us are really good at it, right? That's what we were, but that's who we are now. And so now because we have the, the new man, because we're a new creations in Christ, because the life of Christ is being lived out in us, we are going to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, we're not going to enact wrath and malice. Instead, we're going to extend kindness, tenderheartedness, in other words, softness towards one another. We're going to extend forgiveness to one another. And Paul, knowing how hard a pill that would be to swallow, included just like Christ forgave you. You see that this doesn't get them off the hook. It keeps you off the hook with them. Right? That's why we forgive others. Lewis Smeeds said to forgive somebody is to set a captive free and to realize that the captive or the prisoner is me. And so forgiving isn't letting them off the hook, it's keeping us off the hook from then keeping from keeping them continuing to be in the position of hurting us. This is the new life that we live. Easy? No. 
That's why Paul said, I die daily. I die every time I want to do what my old ways wanted to do, but I remind myself that's not who I am anymore. My life is not about me. My life is not my own. I am to represent Christ. And therefore, I must speak truth. I must control my emotions. I must be generous. I must speak life. I must listen to the Holy Spirit. I must let it go. And I must treat others like Christ treated me. In contrast to the old self, that's the new self. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. A reflection of the life of Christ lived out through us. It's the practical outworking of our positional reality. All things are possible as we lean on the Holy Spirit to do in us and through us what we can never accomplish on our own. You can do this. I can do this because of who I am. I am his. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. Help us to live out this positional truth in, the way in, which, in, a, in a way in which pleases you and reflects Jesus to the world around us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.